Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message. I kind of feel like the service is just crawling by today, but that's because this week has been so insanely busy. It's just like a big blur, something going on every night. And all I can think about as we were worshiping was the scripture that declares times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. There's something about just coming to church and everything else has to be set aside and we focus on the Lord. Great time of recalibration. So, Alright, I'm excited to get back into this. We're in a series right now, uh, My Family in Christ. So just for a little bit of a refresher, uh, this is just a general address to the family. It's not aimed at dads or moms or kids or teenagers or anything in between. It's applicable for all of us. Uh, Every member old enough and mature enough to understand what I'm saying, I, I should clarify. The rest of them are in Sunday school. So, young people, if you're in here, don't check out because we're talking about family stuff. This is for you. Uh, last week we started out and we're trying to establish some guidelines and some things that help us to keep our families in Christ. That's another, I guess, specification of this series. That we're not talking about how to have better marriages or better relationships with our kids. We're not talking about having more peace in the home. All of those things will be a byproduct of our families being established and rooted in God. But it's not our focal point here. So last week we started out with one simple point and that was it starts with me. If every member of the family recognizes that my relationship with God is priority then we've already taken strides toward having a family that's rooted in God. Um, ultimately, it comes down to personal decisions. Today, we're going to go a little bit further, and I want to talk about some practical acts of love. Some practical things that we can apply because, well, I'll read a scripture for you first. 1 John chapter 3, verses 18. And on the screen, it'll follow along with me. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says, little children, and I'm glad it clarifies, believers and dear ones. So he's not just teaching the kids here in this passage, but he's talking to us as believers. Let us not love merely in theory, with word or tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and in sincerity, Because practical acts of love are more than words. Practical acts of love are more than words. This would be where we would extract a principle. Actions speak louder than words. What I'm doing and how I'm conducting myself communicates something to the other members of my family. We consider the things of God, we should be careful not to become so spiritually minded that we're of no earthly good. First time I heard that, I thought, well, what what does that even mean? But it's possible that when we start thinking about the things of God, it's all out here somewhere. And it's kind of fuzzy and hazy and it doesn't really come down and, and hit the earth in a way that I can live it out. So we can talk like he's proven the point here. He says, listen, when it comes down to love, don't just be all mushy gushy. Oh, we love, we love each other. We love it. He said, make sure you're acting like you love one another. And if you read that in context, if you go to first John and read, he gives some examples to, to prove his point and validate what he's saying. 
This does not mean that God is absent. I'm sorry, let me back up. God does operate in the miraculous. We just prayed for Amy, and we believe that if God so chooses to, He can heal her arm, and she won't need any cast. God operates in the miraculous, and a lot of times that's what we put the spotlight on. Look at this snapshot of a miracle that God did. And then we just zoom over to the other side, and, and here's another miraculous, wonderful, big thing where God operated supernaturally. But that doesn't mean that God's not operating in the day-to-day activities. It's not that when an arm doesn't get healed and a person gets a cast and that arm heals over time that we stand back and say, well, I guess God wasn't in that. Really? You, you think a paper mache can fuse bowls back together? God is in the, the routine, what we would consider the mundane. In fact, He can be found more faithfully in the mundane than He can in the miraculous. Because God's always there. He's interacting in the, in the day-to-day activities of what we're doing. I want to draw our attention in, in today's message to three areas of daily family life that can be leveraged to keep our families in Christ. Because there are things that are going to happen. We're going to do these things. And if we're intentional about it, we can leverage them to help us establish our families in God. Number one is communication. You are going to communicate. If you're not intentional about it, you might communicate things that you didn't want to. But one way or another, you're going to communicate something to your family. Proverbs 18, verse 20, and I'll read 21 as well. Tells us a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I don't know why it is, but more often than not, we extract this scripture when we're trying to teach against words that will tear down. It's not very common or very often that you see the scripture used in a positive way. We talk, hey, listen, we don't gossip because there's death in the power of the tongue. We don't want to be calling people names. We don't want to backbite and tear people down and grumble and complain. But in the context of the scripture, he's pointing out the positives of this. That both life and death are in the power of the tongue. He compares it to fruit. There's going to be fruit that you can eat. It can sustain you. It's going to bring good things into your life. We see him use more poetic terms just a few chapters later in Proverbs 25 and verse 11 where it says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Now, apples of gold may not do us a whole lot of good, but we do see the imagery there. It's valuable. It's precious. It's something to be looked at with reverence. So communication is important. My father-in-law has oftentimes been quoted as saying, communication is a beautiful thing when it happens. And it doesn't happen as often as we think it does. I'm sure we've all heard that every time you speak, there are multiple things that, that actually get said. There's what you said, there's what you were trying to say, and there's what they heard you say. And if you're, you're married or in any kind of relationship, or I guess even with your kids or kids talking to your parents, we've all lived this out. Something gets spoken. And the reaction that comes from the other person is not what we expected. Because they say, how could you say that to me? And we go, that's not what I said. Because we're, we're speaking and we're receiving two totally different things. Communication is harder than we make it out to be. Our tone, how we say things matter, our attitude, the presence or lack of sarcasm, words, words mean things. Jesus puts a lot of faith in our ability to communicate. Let that sink in for a minute, that God is putting His, his faith in your ability to communicate few examples, his primary method for reaching the lost is our ability to communicate. 
Now, think about how confident you are in your ability to communicate. That takes me back a little bit. God is relying on me. He says to us to teach, baptize, and then continue teaching. Well, teaching is just communicating things that we've already learned. So he's expecting me not only to be able to teach, he's expecting you not only to be able to teach people to a point of of accepting and embracing his salvation, but then to go beyond that and continue teaching them what his word says about how to live for him. He's putting a lot of trust in us. It's how we train our children. We read in Deuteronomy when he's given instructions, he says, you know, talk about these things when you're sitting in your house. Talk about these things when you're walking down the road. Talk about these things when you're walking in the field. And you fill in all the other blanks. It goes on and on for a while. But, but it's, it's talk about, communicate these things. How, how are we going to raise godly children? How are we going to uh, communicate? We're going to have to open our mouth and talk about the things of God. Scripture tells us that He chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And that's about what it is most of the time. I usually don't struggle to hear from God. The hardest part about trying to stand up here and preach is figuring out what words to use to make you understand what I think He said to me. That's the difficult part. A lot of times, within my own spirit, I could summarize a message that that God's given in three or four sentences, and it makes sense to me. But it takes me 40 minutes of standing up here blubbering words out to hopefully get it across to you. Because communication is sometimes difficult. If it's so important, we have to be intentional about becoming better communicators. We communicate through what is said. So, how many are familiar with the concept of love languages? might take me longer than I thought. Love languages. So see, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I really don't have it. But even the, the ability to communicate love from one person to another, we don't receive love the same way. So for one person, it may be words of affirmation. You might be a words of affirmation person where if someone in your family says, man, you know what I noticed? You mowed the grass and it looks so nice. Thank you for doing that. And your tank just gets filled up. You're like, wow, they really do love me. Other people, you could care less if they notice you mow the grass. But if they come up and give you a hug, you're a physical touch kind of person. And when they wrap their arms around you and they hug you, oh yeah, they just communicate that they love you. You know, one of the, the love languages is gifts. And that's a rough one because you'll go broke. But it doesn't always have to be money. You know, it might be somebody drawing a picture or making a, a child making a picture and coming up and giving that to a parent. And they're like, wow, they took the time to think about me and to go out and to get this. Another love language is, is acts of service. Someone in your family does something for you. Maybe it was a task that was on your list and they noticed you were busy and they went out of their way to help you out. And that communicates to you. But here's the problem, and I'm going to make this my example so I can elaborate on it a little bit without taking too much extra time. Let's say your love language is, is acts of service. And the person you're trying to communicate love to, their love language is physical touch. And so in order to communicate love to them, you do a lot of things for them. Right? Because that's how how you say I love you. My love language is is acts of service. So I'm going to do all of these things for you. And they never receive what you're trying to communicate because it's not the language they speak. If you were to be in a room with people that speak actual other languages, how difficult would that be to communicate? You're saying, hi, how are you? And they're like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I can only use English. I don't know any other languages. That, that would be an extremely difficult thing. And yet that's the way it is in family sometimes. 
All we're trying to do is be there for each other. We're trying to be kind. We're trying to communicate the things of God. We're trying to, to build a strong family. And yet we're, we're not speaking each other's languages. I'm communicating my way. And bless God, they ought to figure it out. And we get frustrated because they're not figuring it out. When really, if everyone were to just take a step back and say, all right, what is the personality? What is the temperament of the person I'm trying to communicate to? Because I want to I wanna say whatever I'm trying to get across, or I want to portray whatever it is I'm trying to teach them in a way that they can receive. Okay? So communicating, that, that's a big part of it. We have to know who we're talking to and figure out how to speak in a way that they can grab a hold of it. Not a way that we can grab a hold of it. We already have it. We're trying to give it away. All right? The next thing is we communicate through what is done. The scripture dealt with this very plainly in our opening text that don't just run around saying something that you're not doing. You know, you can say, I'm going to take out the trash and then never take out the trash. Anybody else guilty? I'll feed the dogs in the morning. And then you're sending the text, hey, didn't feed the dogs. I'm, we got to do what we say. So I'm communicating through what is done. And these are trivial things that I'm, I'm pointing out. But when we say, listen, this family is valuable. We're going we're gonna to have a family night next week. Then that becomes important. Do what you say. Otherwise, when you don't, when you make that commitment verbally and then you don't follow through with it, it's going to tie into something else I'm going to mention in a moment. But you communicate something more valuable came up. And so you're, you're talking and you're delving into values at that point. Um, what is valued is very important. We're talking about having godly families. So if I want to have a godly family, then I need to be demonstrating godly values. It, the whole do as I say, not as I do thing, that is nonsense. Just wad that up, throw it in the garbage right now. It doesn't work. So if you're saying verbally, and, and you learn all the right languages, and, and you communicate over and over again, the house of God is important. That's right, family. We, the house of God, we need to respect the house of God. We, we talk about the house of God. We don't, we're going to make sure we honor the house of God. Oh, but we don't go to the house of God. Do as I say, not as I do, will never work. We can't expect those that are coming behind us, our children, our spouse, to say, yeah, you know what? We need to be in the house of God. If that's not something we're communicating as a value. When we talk about anything to do with God, prayer, Bible reading, fasting, anything, evangelism, you name it. We can say it's important. We can, we can talk it up. We can have family meetings. But if we're not doing it, if it's not valuable enough to have time in our schedule, then we're not truly communicating that. It's not going to continue moving. Our values can be determined by looking at where we spend our commodities of time, finance, and energy. And this is probably the loudest message that anyone else in your family will hear from you. Where do, I, where do my family members, where does mom, where does dad, where do the kids spend all of their money, all of their time, and all of their energy? Because that's what's important to them. So if godly families are important to us, then we need to be able to step back and look at our life and say, okay, am I demonstrating that through what I am putting value in? Where I'm investing my most valuable resources? Ultimately, with, with communication, there are stages of communication. And this is maybe one of the only things that I'm going to mention that, that really is from parents to children. Stages of communication. And... Haley, I'm going to use Ghetto Dora as an example. Haley, when she was little, she liked to watch Dora. Dora the Explorer. So she would get someone's phone or something and, and she would watch the little Dora videos. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. 
My wife and I were gone one night. She's staying with my grandparents, and she's sitting in a chair right next to my papa, and he's falling asleep, and she's watching Dora on his phone, and all of a sudden, he starts to hear some of the foulest language that he can imagine until he abruptly comes to and gets this phone. And some vile person out there in internet space had made Ghetto Dora. And it was a, a ghetto version of Dora the Explorer. And so he quickly takes the phone and he says, we're not, we're not watching that. And he says, give me back my Ghetto Dora. <laughs> and so very quickly, we had to curb that. Well, there are, there are stages of communication. She was extremely young at that point. It would have done us no good to sit her down and explain all the nuances of why she couldn't watch Ghetto Dora. She wasn't at a point where she could comprehend it. She wasn't at a point where I even wanted her exposed to it. And so it was simply, at that point, the stage of communication was what? We're going to communicate the what. And that is rules without explanation. And there is a point in our children's lives when they're young that there are just rules without explanation. You're not doing that. That's not what we do in this house. Because I, I don't even want to have to tell them why. Listen, when we go to the store, you stay close to me. Don't run off. All right? I'm not going to explain the dangers of abduction and sex trafficking to a, a, a small toddler-aged child. No, I'm just going to say you... You stay close to me. That's the rule. I'm communicating to you the what. They have to get the what. The what is very important. There does come a point in time when we have to begin to communicate the why. And this is the purpose for the practice. Because as they become old enough to understand certain things and, and really begin to push our boundaries, then it becomes a little more important for them to know why we, we set some parameters, why we have some rules. And so there does come a stage where we elevate our communication from simply what to this is what and why. We don't get rid of the what. Whether or not they understand the why when there are children in our home, the what remains the same. Okay, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm trying to teach you why, but the what still is what it is. There, there are rules. There are foundations. We have a window of time where we can, we can instill within them the why. And ultimately, it's our job to teach them the how. And this is when we begin to draw lines from the godly principle to the world around us. You see, it was about far more than, than one vile, evil piece of entertainment that was out there. There's the what. We don't watch Ghetto Dora. Okay? There's the why. Because there's some things in there that are inappropriate. There's some language that was used that's not right. This, this is, is wrong. And so we communicate why. But eventually we have to step away from just this rule. Because I can't make enough rules to, to cover everything. And we have to teach the how. See, the Word of God says we're not going to set any evil thing before our eye. And so we've got to evaluate, was this, was this good or not? No, this wasn't good. This was evil, so I have to make a choice to push that away. There's a lot of other things in your life you're going to come in contact with. See, here's an example, and here's an example. Because ultimately, they're going to leave. And I don't want them to just say, well, can't watch Ghetto Dora. But I guess I can watch other things. No, I want to have my children grow up and understand the why and ultimately know how to apply godly principles. This is where, really, I'm, I'm excited about next week because we're going to talk about generational success when it comes to having godly families. But this is where it starts. When we, when we effectively do our job as parents and we send out young adults who know how to live godly lives. The second area is environment. We have communication. We have environment. Two, two types of application that you can make while we're talking about environment. Number one, your physical home. So I'm talking about a physical environment that we have the ability to, to create. And also the culture of our families. 
know, what is the environment when we're out in the community? What, what environment exists when we are together as a family? I came across the passage of Scripture in my Bible reading a while back. I took a screenshot, and it's something we're working on at home, but Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 24 through 32. It's talking in the context of family of God, the church. But I would want to see these things played out in my home as well. So... I'm going to just start to read and and we'll dissect it as we go. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. What is the environment of my, my household? I want there to be an environment of honesty. Put away lying. We ought to have enough respect for one another within our households that we're not lying to each other. I don't know what it is about lying. Sometimes it, it, we are tempted to, to lie about things that don't even really matter. And I'm, I'm just being all-encompassing. That means um, holding on to information that needs to be shared. That means stretching information farther than it should be stretched. Every parameter of lying, there ought to be absolute honesty within our households. Okay? This one's hard. Verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Don't, don't be running around being sinful because you're angry. And this is the, the crazy thing about it. We love our families more than anyone else on the face of the planet. But they can drive us to the brink of insanity at times. I'll just be honest. Nobody else wants to be honest. That's okay. The people that I love dearly and I would lay down my life for in a second can make me want to headbutt the wall. They make you angry. They do things that make you upset. No matter what your position in the family, you will repeatedly get mad at the people you live with. But the Bible tells us that we have to be able to process that anger without allowing it to become sinful goes on to say, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Why is it so important that we learn how to deal with our anger and our frustrations? Because the enemy would love nothing more than to shred your family and destroy your family and small little frustrations. It's amazing when you start talking to people that come from fractured homes and you trace things back. A lot of times it's not the big explosion that tore the family apart. That was the byproduct of too many small frustrations that weren't properly dealt with. And we gave, they gave place to the enemy. We don't want to allow footholds for Satan to work within our family. We have to be able to come back. When I overreact, I've got to be able to come back and say, guess what? I was wrong. I need, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. Okay, and I'm saying that as the dad. Not... You know, I'm everybody to do what I say. Okay, let me know how that works out. It's not going to work out. We have to be humble no matter where you're at. And again, as parents, we have to, we're, we're still going back to communication. When we mess up, when we get angry, when we have to communicate through things, we're also communicating. We're teaching. And that way when the kids do something they shouldn't do, or they get angry and they mouth off or they say something they shouldn't. Hopefully we've instilled within them enough humility to where when they simmer back down, they can come back and say, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. We have to be able to talk things out. We've got to be able to process anger in our families. Let him that stole steal no more. I have three daughters and it seems like that Clothes thing is becoming a conversation more and more. That's my shirt. No, don't be taking each other's stuff. Rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying 
that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let no corrupt communication. When I think corrupt, corrosion, my mind goes to a, a battery terminal. So excuse me for not having a better example. But if that battery terminal is corroded, if there's corrosion there, what it does is it severs the connection. Okay, it no longer operates, not because it's broken, just because it's corroded. The scripture tells us not to let any corrupt communication come out of our mouth. If this is true in the church, it's also true in my home. And it ties back in to be angry and sin not, but it, sometimes it's not always in anger. We should not be talking down to one another. There's a big difference in someone doing something that's maybe not the, the wisest thing. They have a brain lapse. They do something that's kind of silly or dumb. There's a big difference in saying, oh man, that was dumb. And saying, oh man, you're dumb. See, that's corrupt communication. Sibling to sibling. Parent to child. Hopefully not child to parent. We have to be careful the things that we allow to come out of our mouth. Remember death and life? We dealt with the positive but there is some negative to that. I don't want to allow the things that I say to be the corrosion that begins to, to get between the connection that should exist from me and my other family members. So not only not the corrupt communication, but then he says take it even further. Make sure that it's good to the use of edifying, which is to build up and to administer grace to the hearers. I know this is like perfect world, but can you imagine a home where that was always the case? The things that were spoken were uplifting and encouraging. That's, that's a good thing. That's something we can strive for. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Got to deal with things. Not only things that happen within the confines of our family, but when I read that and I was praying about it for my family and even preparing for this, you know, a lot of times my struggle is, is I go out into the, the day, into the world, and I'm dealing with people, and other contractors make me mad. And things go wrong. And things don't work out. And I'm stressed. And I'm overwhelmed. And I come home and I bring all of that with me. And so I walk in the door and there's, there's bitterness. And there's, there's wrath. And there's anger. Not every day. But we all have our days. And it has nothing to do with the people that live under our roof. But if I'm not intentionally putting those things away from me. I'm going to carry those through the front door of my home. And everybody that lives there is going to have to deal with it. And it's not going to be healthy. It's not going to help me create an environment that fosters my family making it in Christ. But be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We've got to ask ourselves, what is the climate of my home? Oh, I want a godly family. Well, do the things that take place in my home, are they spiritual or carnal? Majority of the time, where, where am I at on the spectrum? Are they loving and graceful or are they judgmental? Are we provoking one another to good works or are we just provoking one another? We've got to consider these things because we can be intentional and we can leverage the environment of our home to help us set up our families for success. Does anyone know who Joshua Bell is? I didn't either until I came across this story. He is a world-renowned violinist. He, he can go anywhere, book a concert. The guy's phenomenal. He's actually a, they consider him a child prodigy from the time he was very young. He was extremely skillful with the violin. <clears throat> His skills have not only provided him with a reputation, but also an income. For each performance that Mr. Bell puts on, he is paid thousands of dollars. 
Every time he walks into an auditorium or a coliseum and he stands up and plays the violin, he is, he is well compensated. Yet in one show that he held in 2007, neither his reputation nor his skill seemed to matter. Although there was 1,097 people in attendance, Mr. Bell only received $52.17. That's a big audience for a little bit of money. This guy's good at what he does. The difference is where he played. You see, this skillful individual walked into Metro Station in Washington, opened up his violin case, and just began to play like a street performer. And he, he was one of the best they had ever heard, and yet the majority of the people just passed him by. A few people stopped to listen for a couple of moments, and some gave him a little bit of money. He wasn't announced. He just simply showed up into a subway and began to play. His potential, his ability, and his notoriety were all suppressed by his environment. Our families are far more valuable in Christ than they are in any other environment. And so Christ-centered environments are important for us to create. Don't allow meaningless conflicts that arise from living so closely with one another to dictate the climate of your relationships. It's not that important. Finally, the last thing I'll talk about today is growth. The Bible commands us as believers to grow. And that's not a command to stop your diet if you're trying to be more healthy. 1 Peter 2 and 2 says it like this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay? Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We see just from this small sampling both personal and corporate commands to growth. Jesus expects us to grow. Personal growth really ties back to our message from last week. It starts with me. I have to be growing. You have to be growing in your relationship with God if you want your family to remain Christ-centered. Personal growth can also promote corporate growth. We, we pull one another up. So within the context of our family, and, and these all kind of dovetail together, but the environment of our family should be so that when we see someone in our family trying to go deeper into their relationship with God, that we rally around them. Sometimes the temptation, whether it's in a church or a family or a community, is to, to keep people down so that I don't have to feel bad about the level I'm at. And as long as we just all stay here, we're good. We're good. And someone begins to elevate themselves and we go, oh, they think they're better than it. And there's all these accusations that are made. Within our family... When, when we see someone trying to take strides that pull them closer to God, it should be that we rally around that. We encourage that growth. And it causes us all to grow as a unit. <clears throat> growth is visible, which is a good thing in the context of a family because other members can see it. Growth is exciting, or positive growth is exciting. Growth as a believer gives me new insight to share. So the deeper I go, the scripture that stands out is the last one that we read. Grow in grace and in the knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm learning new things. As I go deeper in my relationship with God, I'm growing in my knowledge of Jesus. And then I have positive things to offer in conversation to the family. Hey, guess what I found in Scripture? Have you guys ever considered this? And I'm kind of challenging our young people a little bit, but that, that doesn't always have to come from the parents. It's, it's a good thing when you guys come and say, hey, you know, I was reading my Bible. And, and look at this verse. Don't assume that your parents have, have seen everything you've seen. God can bring insight to your family through you. So I'm not, again, I'm not preaching over your head today. These are things that you can be a part of as you grow. I, I mean, I've just seen it. I've seen young people be the most passionate servant of God in their families for a season of time. And their relationship with God have a direct impact on their family. But all of us have this, this responsibility to grow. Growth, spiritual growth, is not natural. For that matter, physical growth is not natural. If you have a baby and you take that baby, it doesn't just grow by itself. You don't just put the baby down and say, okay, growth. You don't take a seed and a plant and put it in the ground and, and it just grows naturally. Growth is not accidental. Growth requires intentional consumption of outside or external ingredients. So that child has to be fed. That plant has to soak up nutrients from the ground. A child of God has to be receiving the Word of God in their life. They have to have times in the presence of the Lord. They have to be communicating with God in prayer. There has to be those, those outside forces. We don't just get baptized and then each day wake up knowing something else about God. Wow, look at that. No, it takes effort. It's intentional. It's something that we have to do. Both formal and informal Bible studies are positive in the home. If there's something, there's a question that's coming up uh, with, with multiple people in the family, or maybe you just have a, a, a spot in your schedule where you can fit that in, and you can sit down and have a formal Bible study, that's wonderful. I've found it to be sometimes even more effective when it's not formal and questions just come up and we don't say, okay, let's go get a chart and let's, but we just begin to talk scripture and, and study takes place and there's things that are communicated from the word of God that brings growth to my family. Testimony, the sharing of testimony brings growth to my family. Somewhat ties into environment, but it, it does help with our growth as well. But having uplifting Christian music and, and outside sources that are playing in my home. There's also relational growth. Because we don't want to be just a, a, a group of islands that are strong in our relationship with God, living under the same roof. That's, that doesn't fit within the parameters of this series. We're talking about our families being established in Christ. So we have to become strong in our relationship with Him, but there's also relational aspects to that. That means it's, it's good to have dates with your spouse. That's a good thing. You know why good, strong Christian families, good, strong Christian marriages struggle sometimes? Because we can be strong spiritually and our relationships can erode. It's a positive thing to have dates with your spouse. It's a positive thing when you can. And I'm preaching myself under conviction right now, but family dinners are important. Spending time around a table, talking about the day, allowing people to, to express what went on and just living life together. Family dinners are important. Family nights are important. Do life tasks together. And maybe I put that in there to ease the conviction that I was already feeling. But our schedules, your schedules, life is so incredibly busy. There are things that you have to get done. No matter how bad you, you want to be home, all day on Saturday, there are things that you have to do. At some point, somebody has to go grocery shopping. Somebody has to, you fill in the blank. You've got as many things in your life as I do probably. And if we're not careful, we'll say, well, family, I'll be back. I'm going to go do this thing. 
when really I could say, all right, I've got to go do this thing. Who's coming with me? Wow, you're not doing anything fun or exciting. That's okay. We're going to do this boring, mundane grocery shopping trip together. We're going to... That analogy came to my mind because it always struck me as odd. Some of the young people way back when. Like, she would have to go grocery shopping and they would just go with her to the grocery store. Why would that matter? Because these kids want to spend time with somebody. I'm going to tell on you now. Ladies... If you go out somewhere and then your husband has to go into the store, don't stay in the car. Get out of the car. Go in the store together. It's not that big a deal. We just had fun with this. I always have to go to Home Depot. She could care less what's in Home Depot. So, it's not all her fault. But I'll get there and sometimes she's like, I'll just wait here. Okay. But you know what? Get out of the car. And I'm sure she could tell you many things that I should, should do also. Here's one. Engage in someone else's hobbies. Something that somebody else in your family likes to do. The temptation is, and the struggle is, we have so little downtime that when it finally exists, what do we want to do? We want to engage in our hobbies. I want to do what I like to do. I want to do what makes me happy, what helps me relax. But if that time is so precious and my family is so important, then there are times when I should maybe have that opportunity and look around and say, okay, what do they like to do? Because I want to take this time instead of just going out and doing what makes me feel good, I want to spend it with family. <clears throat> Relational growth. Last one, ask questions. Talk to each other, ask questions. Maybe that goes all the way back up to communication. But really, ask little questions. How was your day? What so-and-so say on the phone? And then ask big questions. What, what's God talking to you about lately? What have you been reading? What do you think about this idea? I had this, just this crazy idea. What, what do you think? Had to buy a, a skid steer just this week because we needed, it was cheaper to buy the skid steer than it was to pay somebody else to do the work on our property. And I'd been talking about it and talking about it and all the pros and all the cons. And finally, I asked her, I said, this is like a big deal. I, I need to know what you think. She said, I don't know anything about skid steers. What? I, I trust you, but we're still communicating through that. Don't go out and make major decisions for your family without asking other people. Sometimes it's not even a question as much as just talking it through. When we got ready to move to Fergus Falls... We had made the decision. We didn't sit down and say, okay, kids, what do you think? Should we move or not? But we did make sure that they knew and they were aware and they were a part of the discussion because that's what living life together is like. So communicate, build a positive environment, and work on growth, both spiritual and relational. I'm going to close. Keeping our families in Christ is the result of daily decisions, not monumental moments. There's, there's more exciting things to preach about, but I don't know if there's very many more important things to preach about. I know we're doing some teaching here the last couple weeks, but these are the kind of nitty-gritty, day-to-day things that keep our families tied to and connected to the will of God. Keeping our families in Christ is not something that we can afford to one day see happen. One day our family is going to be this, or one day our family is going to be that. Rather, it has to be something that we strive for on a daily basis. The scripture says the eyes of the fool are in the ends of the earth. We're always looking, yeah, one day it's going to be like that. Well, how, how are we going to get there? That spot that you're dreaming about where your family has a spiritual legacy and you've made an impact in the kingdom of God, and your children are healthy, and your marriage is, is healthy, and, and you're really loving Jesus together. It's great to dream about, but how do you get there? What does it look like tomorrow? What does it look like today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for our families, for the people that you have chosen to partner us with for this life. 
I pray, Lord, for every individual here today that the words that you've given us would settle into our spirits. Help us to apply them. Some of them are easy and some of them are a little more difficult. God, help us to be good communicators within our home. Help us to treat our, our homes and our family relationships as a haven. Create a positive, uplifting, godly environment for one another to live in. And Lord, help us to grow. We as individuals, we want to be more like you. We want to grow in, in our knowledge of you. Lord, we don't want to grow alone. We don't want to leave behind the people that you've given us to be closest to. Help us as family units to take strides closer and closer to you. And inevitably, we'll get closer together. We pray you give us strong families, strong children, strong relationships with our children. We ask it all in your name. We need you in our families more than anything. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. That will conclude our service for today. And we'll wrap up this series next week. Hey folks, Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org. Send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.